This is Pastor Aaron at Oasis Baptist Church, and thank you for checking us out online. I pray that this message is an encouragement to you. Again, thank you so much for being here. Uh, we have been going through the book of John. There's seven different I am statements in the book of John, and we've hit on um, five of them. Today is the sixth. Next weekend, we'll hit on the seventh. And uh, I pray that you have uh, learned and grown. I pray that these truths have been uh, become real in your life. Uh, we've again been looking at this series, I Am Discovering what or who Jesus is. And uh, basically, we've been looking at the different thoughts uh, from the one statement that Jesus looked at. And when Jesus looked at the disciples and he says, hey, who do men say that I am? And then he stopped and he took it and made it more personal. Who do you say that I am? In the very first week, I made this statement and I've said it since. Every person in this room, every person that walks and has walked the face of this earth has to give an answer to who Jesus Christ is. The word says, and it speaks that, uh, that every knee would bow, every tongue would confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. We can do that today, or one day we will do that as we stand before Christ. And we've been looking at all of those statements, I am, and what do those mean? And so this morning it brings us to John chapter number 14. In John chapter 14 and verse number 6 it says, I am the way the truth, and the life. As we have been doing for the last several weeks, and I will continue to do it today, is taking a look at the entire context of what is going on. And so here, no different than in the past several weeks, we're going to go backwards to John chapter 13. So if you have your Bibles, I would encourage you to open it to John chapter number 13. There's a couple of these passages that will be up on, up on the screen. Uh, most of John 13 will not. Actually, I don't believe any of John 13 will be up there. But as we get into the, the context of what's taking place in John 14, it takes us backwards to John, number, or John chapter 13. At the beginning of John 13, this is a, a very familiar uh, passage of Scripture. This is a familiar text where Jesus goes up into the upper room. Jesus goes with the disciples. And as they are having the Last Supper, Jesus begins to wash their feet. Jesus gets down and, and as they would sit, uh, Jesus goes and begins to wash all of their feet. And in John chapter 13, uh, verses number 12 and 13, he says something. Uh, he says, know ye what I have done. He asks them a question. Do you know what I am doing? He says, for you call me master and Lord, and you say, well, for so I am. And then in 14, he says this. If then your Lord and teacher have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I've given you an example. A servant is not greater than his master, nor is he who sent greater than he who sent him. He says, I'm here to serve you. I'm here to point you to the Father. Now go and do likewise. Serve one another. Love one another. As we continue on through that passage of Scripture in verse number 18, Jesus says, hey, somebody, one of you will betray me. We know the story. Judas would betray him. He's fulfilling a prophecy as it was in the Old Testament, Psalm 41, Psalm 55. But Judas would betray him. In verse number 27, he looks at Judas. He gives him the piece of bread. If you recall that passage, he says the one that would, would take of this bread, that would dip the bread. And we look at this in 27, and Jesus says, And after that, or after the sup, Satan entered into him. Then said Jesus unto him, that thou doest, do quickly. He looks at Judas and he gives him the bread and he says, hey, whatever you're about to do, do it quickly. The rest of the disciples are standing there and I don't know what you might think of this situation. They didn't really know what's going on. They didn't have the entire Bible like we have today. They didn't read the end of the story. They didn't know all of those things that was about to take place. They're sitting there and they're like, okay, what just happened? This guy is going to betray Christ. What does that look like? Jesus just looked at him and said, whatever you're about to do, do it quickly. And then he walks out of the room. So here they all sit, looking at each other, going, uh, what's going on? Jesus then begins to talk to them. And in John 13, he begins, to, he begins to speak to them. He begins to tell them of the things that were coming. He begins to tell them that, that, that he would be leaving 
And where he was going, they could not come. He was, he was sharing with all of them all of these things that were taking place. In verse 31 and so on, he's speaking of him that he would, he would go. The Son of Man would be, uh, is, is glorified and God is glorified in him. If God be glorified in him, God shall also glorify him in himself and shall straight, straightway glorify him. Little children, yet a little while I am with you, ye shall seek me. And as I said unto the Jews, whither I go, you cannot come, so now I say to you. And he tells them, hey, I'm leaving and you can't come with me. What were, the, what were all the disciples, what did they have in their mind of who Jesus the Messiah was? Jesus was going to come and conquer. Jesus was going to come and, and rule. And Jesus was going to come and set up this kingdom. And, and Jesus was going to come and do all of these things. And Jesus now, after a couple years of hanging out with these guys and teaching them and loving on them, He says, hey, I'm leaving and you can't come with me. And He says this, but I want you to love one another. Because everyone else will know that you are my disciples by the way that you love one another. How encouraging. Jesus just drops a bomb in the middle of dinner. <clears throat> Judas gone. The others are going, what just happened? Jesus comes and tells them that he loves them. He tells them all these things. He says, but I have to leave. And oh, make sure you love each other. Because you'll prove and you'll show to everybody else that you're my disciples by the way that you love one another. And that brings us to chapter number 14. And it brings us to chapter number 14 with a group of people, a group of disciples who were completely, <coughs> excuse me, who were completely unsure of anything that was happening. We understand that based on verse number one. Let not your heart be troubled. Jesus looks at them and he says, hey, calm down. Let not your heart be troubled. There's no need to, to panic. There's no need to, to freak out. There's no need for any of those things. And Jesus just kind of, I don't, I don't know what this setting looked like, but I kind of just imagine maybe uh, Jesus just sitting down whether he did it Indian style or I don't know. But I kind of imagine Jesus just sitting down and being with the disciples and saying, hey, let's calm down. Let me tell you what's about to happen. And Jesus begins to comfort them. I don't know where you sit today, but I know there's been plenty of times in my life where I've kind of had that same thought. Lord, what in the world are you doing? Anybody else? God? Now you raise your hand. That's okay. God? Like things are going pretty good. Disciples are like, Jesus, you're here with us. Things are perfect. We've got the Messiah right here. Now you're telling me you're leaving? Judas just up and left? We have no idea. <coughs> Excuse me. We have no idea what's going on, and you're telling me all ah. So many times in my life, I've just kind of been in that spot where it's like, things are going well. Why did you have to drop the bomb at this point? Right? But God, I just gave you everything. I just rededicated my life. But God, I just, but God, I just. Why would you have to do it now? Jesus comes in and he just begins to teach them. See, one of the things I think that a lot about this passage of Scripture, and this is uh, not necessarily within the, the context of it, but I truly believe that this is Jesus once again showing himself in the end. Uh, we're not getting that far, but after, uh, in the middle of John 14, Jesus makes the reference that the, the comforter would come. And I think Jesus here in this passage is just showing himself as the comforter to them and also to you and I, that God is, Jesus is a, a comforter. He is somebody that wants to come and care. He wants to, he loves on you and I, he loves on people. Job said it this way in Job chapter 14. Man that is born of a woman is, a, is of few days, and what? Full of trouble. <laughs> That's encouragement for the day. Jeremiah chapter 20 says this in verse number 18. The prophet lamented, 
Wherefore came I forth out of the womb to see, the, to see labor and sorrow, that my days should be consumed with shame? Another translation said it this way, which I thought was amazing. I loved it. It just kind of brought it to point here. Why did I ever come forth from the womb to look on trouble and sorrow so that my days have been spent in shame? Jeremiah said, God, why did you even bring me here? Just so that I would be in the midst of sorrow and shame. Job kind of said the same thing. It's just but a couple days once you're out of the womb that you'll experience trouble. But, who is God? God is a comforter. God is somebody who loves. Jesus, in the midst of comfort, or in the midst of distress, in the midst of turmoil, turmoil, trouble, hurt, tribulation are all a part of life that we live. And Jesus drops this bomb. Jesus does all those things in the midst of the disciples. And they're going, ah, what is going on? Why would you do this to me? And he just comes down and he just sits right there and he begins to teach them. And he begins to tell them, he begins to comfort them that, hey, I understand this is where I'm going. And you don't quite understand that yet, but I'm going to tell you what that is. And then he, but he says this, but you will come with me. You're coming. And so he begins to comfort them with some of these things. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, it says this, 3 through 5. Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforteth us in all our tribulation that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. For as the suffering of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also aboundeth by Christ. This is exactly what Jesus begins to provide and to do for them is just to love on them and comfort them. He is showing them comfort that they can in the near future comfort others. I don't know if you've ever think about this and sometimes in the midst of what we're going through we don't. God allows those things and God comes along and comforts. And sometimes the comfort isn't so much that God just beams light down on us and everything is better. Sometimes the comfort is somebody right sitting beside you that comes along and says, hello, I hope you're having a good day. How can I pray for you? Sometimes it's somebody that just writ, wrote a handwritten letter that sent it to you that you got in the mail or they gave it to you. Hey, I was thinking of you. It might be a text message, whatever it is. And they come along and they just give you a little bit of comfort. But you know why all of those things happen? I go through it. God comforts me, comforts me. And as I come out on the other end, I now see somebody else that's going through it. And I then go and I am now able to be a part of the comforting process that God has provided. Why? And this same thing with the disciples. What's about to take place? Jesus is preparing them, knowing that he's about to leave. And they are about to do an amazing thing, kind of starting this church thing going on in Acts. He is preparing them. He is comforting them, knowing and getting them prepared that this is what's about to take place so that they can do the same thing. Today, just before Jesus would be arrested and would be taken to trial, he would be beaten, he would be uh, abused and cursed and spat upon. He would bear the weight of the, the sins of the entire world upon his shoulders he comes and sits down with the disciples and begins to love on them and comfort them and to teach them. I would ask you this morning, as we get into this, the, the, the points this morning, I would ask you this, what is it in your life that brings you to a place of rest and comfort? What is it? See, for some in the room today, it might be that your bills are paid. It might be that your health is okay and the family health is okay and all of those things are good. It might be that your house is, is in order. Like, hey, I've got the house that I want. I've got the car that I want. I've got the things that I want. Everything is good because all of my finances are in order. Therefore, I am comfortable. I am okay. But what truly brings us rest and comfort in our hearts and our soul? Because I know for me, sometimes... It's not what ought to. <laughs> I get so busy in so many other things and, and I think I'm okay. And then the bomb gets dropped and then I'm like, whoa, 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 time out. God, what are you doing? And I'm frazzled and I'm upset and I'm, I'm questioning God at this point. 
And then I recognize what? My comfort isn't in all of those things. Because those things could be taken away at any moment. God is teaching them. Jesus is teaching them. Hey, your comfort isn't in all of this. Let me show you. Let me teach you. Let me, let me take you to this place. So in John chapter 14, John chapter 14, starting in verse number 1, hopefully you were already there. We've been in John 13 for a few minutes. John 14, I hope that this is the most amazing sermon you've ever heard and you're just in such deep thought, or you're all just completely asleep waiting for lunch. I don't know where you're at, but somewhere in between there. Um, Because it is really, 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 really quiet right now. So, it's learning. You're listening? All right, I hope so. That's what I said. I hope that that's what it is. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just getting like silence. And when you stand up here and it's completely silent, sometimes it's just awkward. How many of you have taught in a classroom? I don't know where I'm going with any of this, but you've taught in a classroom. Have you asked a question before and everybody stares at you like, you're the dummy? Yeah, that's kind of how I feel right now. Like, I'm just, you're just staring awkwardly at me. John chapter 14. What do you mean, well? Thank you. See? She just called me a dummy. For all who are watching this, Debbie Reeves just called me a dummy in front of church. We'll have a members only meeting next Sunday. I know, that's what I was saying for all that are watching me. (laughs) John chapter 14, John chapter 14, verse number 1. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. And whither I go, ye know, and the way ye know. Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest, and how can we know the way? Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Verse number seven, if ye had known me, ye should know, you should have known my father also, and from henceforth ye know him and have seen him. Philip saith unto him, Lord, show us the father, and it sufficeth us. Jesus saith unto him, have I been so long time with you, and yet hast thou not known me, Philip? He that hath seen me hath seen the father, and how sayest thou then, show us the father? Believest thou not that I am in the Father, and the Father in me? The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me, he doeth the works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father in me, or else believe me for the very work's sake. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father." And whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If ye shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. Father, we ask that you would use your word to tug upon the hearts of those that sit here this morning. For it's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. (coughs) I'm going to bring us three simple thoughts. I'm going to look at verse number 6. And I'm going to take that statement, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And I'm going to put those as my simple thoughts this morning. The first one being, I am the way. See, these men had become distraught. They were troubled. They were unsure. They were unsettled. They were worried in their hearts. Uh, being, literally, it's being tossed like waves in the wind by the words of Jesus. I imagine some of you have been there, like I just stated a few moments ago. Lord, what in the world just happened What did you just say? Why would you allow this to take place in my life? These things are not making sense to me. These men walked and talked with him. They they didn't necessarily recognize that Jesus wasn't here to to set up a kingdom on earth, but that Jesus was here to to die and to, to rise again. They didn't understand that. 
And Jesus again calmly sits with them. And he says, settle down. And he asks them, he makes this statement. Let not your heart be troubled. And what does he say? Ye believe in God, believe also in me. See, this first part of the I am statement is Jesus saying, calm down, I am the way. Calm down, I will direct. Calm down, follow me, because I am going to lead you in the path of which you need to go. Calm down, settle. Jesus says you're troubled. He says your mind is all distraught. You're becoming, uh, you're frazzled. you're, You're unsure of things. He says, settle down. And he says, believe in me. Now, this statement is not asking if they believe in salvation, for they have already come to a place where they have believed in God for salvation. But he is simply saying, since you believe, continue to believe. Hey, if you believed me for salvation, if you believed me for here, continue to believe in here. Let not your heart be troubled. If you believe in me, believe also. Or if you believe, sorry, if you believe in God, believe also in me. He's letting them know to continue to believe. He's not asking them if they believe for salvation. Do we follow? Continue to believe. I don't know about you, but there's been times in my life where I didn't need to believe God for salvation because I had already done that. But there's been plenty of times in my life where it was just me having to stop and say, God, I believe in you. And I know that you are the Son of God. I know that you've died and rose again. I know all of those things. I believe because I've seen this. This is my mountain of faith. I've I've witnessed all of these things. I just have to continue to believe. Because I know that you are God. Sometimes we just have to believe. We have to continue to believe. Because we know that God is who that he says he is. This is an active belief. He says, I know you believe. I know that you believed in me as Savior. Even even at that, the disciples would have known this was a people of belief. The Old Testament, if you were to go back to the Old Testament, they were not perfect, but they believed in God. If we were to go back in some of what they would have been taught, Abraham in Genesis chapter 15 said, believed in the Lord. He reckoned it to him as righteousness. Moses is charged to the nation. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God. The Lord is one. David said, to you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. O my God, in you I trust. They believed in who God was. They were a people who believed in God. So believe. Do not be troubled. And he goes on and he says this, for in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. He says moments earlier, he said, where I go, you cannot come. But he says that they would come. And he's telling them that I'm leaving and I'm going back home. And he's giving them comfort that they would be joining him. And he says, in my father's house are many mansions. And this passage of scripture is not speaking of uh, a a heaven that looks like Las Vegas with just a bunch of housing developments. See, this passage of scripture speaks of heaven as the house of God. Just like in other passages of Scripture, uh, it says in, in Hebrews, it's the, referred to as a country. It's referred to as a vast city. It's referred to as a kingdom. God's kingdom, as God is the king, it says in Daniel chapter 4. In Luke, heaven is referred to as a paradise with its indescribable beauty. It's a place of rest. It's a place where the redeemed are free from sin. So here in verses 3 and 4, we see a dwelling place, a house, a mansion that has many, many rooms. Heaven isn't so much, again, a neighborhood of homes. In Revelation 21, it says this. It speaks of God's dwelling among them. They shall be His people, and God will be among them. 
or with them. If we were to go back and we were to begin to study some of the Jewish culture, you would see that in the Jewish culture there would be a house. Mom and dad might build a house. And as the kids raise up and get older, they wouldn't just build them another house next to it. They would add on to the house. And they would add on to the house. And they would add on to the house. So this passage of Scripture isn't that we would have heaven and God just has this mega, mega mansion And then there's all kinds of little houses and housing developments all over. I was listening to a sermon this week on on this passage of Scripture, and the pastor said this, God did not leave heaven to become and start a construction business. So God didn't leave earth. I I said heaven, said it wrong. God didn't leave earth to go back to heaven to start a construction business. It is a house, a dwelling place. In my father's house, there's many mansions. Think about that in Revelation, that God will be among us. He will be with them. What are we called in the Bible? We are called what? Sons of God. The sons live where? In the house with their father. What does it speak of? We just talked about this. The shepherd, what? We would know the shepherd's voice. We would have a name inside of this house where we would dwell. And Jesus is teaching and Jesus is is talking to the disciples and he is teaching them and he is saying, hey, settle down. Why? Because I've prepared a place for you. Settle down. Why? Because I'm here to comfort and I am the way to get you to where you are wanting to go. Calm down. The stress of this life, it's okay. You let me know. Let me tell you, I am guiding you. I am preparing place. I am guiding in the way. I am the way. Follow the light. What do we see just a few weeks ago? I am the light. I am the way, he says. He says, I am the way. What does it say in Psalm 23? That he's going to do what? He's going to guide us. He is going to walk. He's going to lead us. He's going to guide us. He will will cause us to lie in green pastures. He will lead us by the still waters. He will guide us in the the paths of righteousness. He will walk through the valley of the shadow of death. He is what? He, He is guiding us in every one of those places. The sheep, remember, going back, the sheep couldn't find water. The sheep couldn't find green pastures. The shepherd had to take them there. How does that, the way, he is the way in all of that. He is guiding and directing. He is leading us in that. Jesus says, hey, when they ask the question, but God, Jesus, how are we going to get there? We don't even know where you're going or how to get there. And he says, calm down, time out, time out, time out. I am the way. In Samuel, in 2 Samuel 22, it says this, as for God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is tried. He is a buckler to all them that trust in him. Isaiah 48, 17. I am the Lord thy God, which teacheth thee to profit, which leadeth thee by the way that thou shouldest go. God is not going to just leave us here. He is providing a way to where we can get to what he has planned for us. I said it at the very beginning of this whole thing. God's just not sitting up in this little thing playing hide and go seek. Instead, he is telling us who he is and he's providing a way so that we can know him and be with him in relationship in the manner in which he's always desired and designed it to be. Acts chapter number nine says this, Paul is speaking, that if he found any of this way, whether they were men or women, you might be going, what does that have to do with anything? See, in the beginning of the church, the word Christian was more of a derogatory term. And so a lot of the people would make fun of the Christians and they would call them Christians. But those that followed Christ would literally, they were called and they were known as followers of the way. And so in Acts chapter 9, we look at this passage of scripture, that if he found any of this way, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. What is this way? Followers of the way. In Acts chapter 22, and I persecuted this way unto the death, binding and delivering into prisons both men and women. This morning, you might say, what does that have to do with it? Some of your Bibles, that word way in Acts is going to be capitalized, which speaks of Jesus being the way. 
This morning, Jesus is comforting the men, the disciples, and he says, Calm down. I know I'm leaving. I know you're not sure of everything going on. But I am the way you follow. I am the way. And then he says what? I am the truth. Jesus says, where I'm going, you know, and you know the way. Thomas, wait. We do not know where and how can we know the way. Jesus gives Thomas and these men the greatest truth. I am the way. You know me. You know me well. The way is Christ, and only in Christ do we have access to the Father. That is truth. But not only is the statement truth, Jesus Christ Himself is truth. We went through a series just before this that spoke of what truth was. Uh, Mike is teaching a series in the, the 930 Bible hour, or the Bible study there in, uh, every Sunday morning about the truth and what truth is and all of those things. But as we look at these things, there's really one statement that is what we need to know. <laughs> truth is Jesus. God is truth. Now we can go all throughout scripture and we can begin to dissect some of those things, but the reality is at the end of the day, Jesus Christ is the way. It is in and through him, and the other is that he is truth. He is God is what he is saying there. Every one of these I am statements, if we were to go back all the way to the beginning of all the things, I am the bread of life, I am the light of the world, I am the resurrection of the life, I am the door, I am the shepherd, he is stopping and he is staring and he is looking at everyone that's looking at him and says, I am God. What do we need to say? There's coming a day, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess what? What are we saying? That Jesus Christ is Lord, period. Jesus, he's not, he's not standing before the disciples and saying, hey, listen, I've got this idea, and here's a little path that we can try. He looks, he says, no, no, no. <laughs> he says, I am the way. And I am the truth that you need. I am God that you need. If you had known what is he saying? I've said this word over and over and over again. In the book of John, the word no is 141 times in the book of John. <coughs> I would say there's an importance of knowing God. Of knowing who Jesus is. There's four ideas in the book of John. There's four different uh, uh, understandings or meanings of to know. The first is this. You can simply know a fact. You can know a fact. Many of you know facts. Some of you have a lot of useless facts. Anybody have useless facts? Every man's hand raises. I love it. I love it. A lot of useless facts. But we can know facts. The other aspect of a fact is this. We can understand the fact. Make sense? It's one thing to have a fact. It's another thing to understand why that truth or that fact is what it is. So we can do those things. This, the third aspect of that, <coughs> I don't know why I'm coughing this morning. The third aspect of that is this, that we can know fact and truth behind it and be, um, I'm sorry, I'm losing my mind here or losing my spot. To understand truth behind a fact, yet you can know fact and truth behind it and still be lost in sin. The third is this, to know in relationship. To know in relationship. That is to believe in a person and become related to him or her. To believe and to become, I became related to my wife. I married her. We became related. That word know is what it speaks of in Genesis at the beginning. Adam knew Eve and conceived. There was an intimate relationship that was there. And the last one is that you would know intimately 
But it's a continued, deeper relationship with a person, a deeper communion, a deeper continuing relationship. Here, Jesus is claiming to be God, and really, that's basically what he is saying. He says, I am the way to God because I am God. I'm not a manifestation of God only. I am God manifested in human flesh. The truth is that I am God, that I am here as God. Did you get that? I said it like 12 different times. He says, I am God. I am the truth. If you're looking to decide who Jesus is, I would plead with you today that yes, Jesus was a great teacher. Jesus was a great man. Jesus understood philosophy. Jesus was great at everything that he did. But Jesus wasn't just those things. Jesus is God. And when it comes to this, I am series, if there's one thing that underlines every single thing that we've looked at, every statement that Jesus has made, I am whatever it is, the bread, the light, the shepherd, all of those things, he's saying one thing, I am God. I am God. For five weeks, we've looked at it in five different ways, but every one of them is the same. I am God. They wouldn't fully grasp all of this until after his death and the resurrection. As they would then be filled with the Holy Spirit, the comforter, as it speaks later on this chapter. Philip says, show us the father. Jesus was taken back just a bit. Philip, do you not believe? How can you say this after I've been with you for so long? I am the image of the invisible God. He says, I'm the truth. Believe that I am the truth. Philip, do you believe that I am the truth? You and I must have a belief in Jesus Christ as God and our way of salvation. But we must believe daily to walk and sustain in the Christian life. Though our faith is blind because we've never seen the Father, it is not blind and that it rests on the solid, overwhelming evidence of Jesus Christ revealing the Father and being God. Today, I would implore with you, I would encourage you, I would plead with you to believe. Not that I once believed as Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, but that you would continue to believe, that you would actively believe in your life and you would seek Him and that you would say, yes, I am following Him because He is the way. He is guiding. He is directing. He is all of those things. Why? Because the truth is, He is God. I am the way. I am the truth. And as we do those things, what does it give us? It gives us life. Why? Because He's life. There is no life outside of God. None. Every person that walks on the face of this earth, if we do not know Jesus Christ as your Savior, is a walking dead man. I know that that's not like the coolest thing to tell somebody. Like, hey, do you know Jesus? Nope. Oh, you're just a walking dead man. But that's the reality. What does the Bible say? The Bible says that we were dead in our sins and trespasses. The Bible says that he then what? He quickened us. He brought us back to life. What did he do last week? I am the resurrection and the life. He looked at Lazarus four days in the tomb and he said, hey, rise. He did what? He gave him life. So we look at this last thought. I am the life. Is there a greater life than truly believing that He is the way and the truth? I would tell you right now, there is no greater way to live your life than allowing Him to be the Lord of it. He says in these last couple verses, in this passage of Scripture, Verily, verily, I say unto you in verse 12, He that believeth on me, the works that I do, shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. 
See, when we look at this passage of Scripture, and we look back in this text, and it says that He goes to prepare a place. The only way that you and I have the access that we have is because Jesus left. He left. He had to die. He had to. There had to be a shedding of blood. And when he did so, he prepared the place. He prepared a way for you and for me to what? To know him, to have access to God. Why? Because it was when he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head that the veil was torn from the top to the bottom. That we had access directly to the Father. He had to go. He had to go. And when he went and in his departure, then, then the Holy Spirit could come to dwell in us. And he says, now you can do works that I've done, but greater than me. Not that they could do better healings. Not that they could do things of that nature. But God was speaking spiritually that, look, think about Jesus went to one spot. But when the Holy Spirit came, they left. Jesus talked to a few people. They talked to thousands of people. In one sermon setting, Peter stands amongst the thousands, preaches at Pentecost, 3,000 come to know Christ as Savior. Never did that happen in Jesus' ministry. Is that because Jesus couldn't do it? No. But Jesus had to depart. He had to go to prepare Jesus is not up in heaven preparing heaven for you. Heaven's been prepared long ago. He had to prepare and he had to leave. The preparation was him leaving. That you and I might have this access. That you and I might have what we're looking at. The word of God, we spoke of it just a few weeks ago. That we would have abundant, like God wants us to have life and have it with more abundantly it's it's abundant life when we recognize i was dead and god literally raised me from the dead he quickened me i don't have to live like that anymore i don't have to be that person any longer listen when i pass from this world It is to be absent from this body, and it is to be present with the Lord. That's life. Life. And when you don't know Christ, it's to be absent from this body and eternally separated from God. There is no life in that. There is no life in that. I am the life. The disciples, he says, listen, you've seen works, you've believed, and you'll do greater because I leave and go to my Father. He was referring to the extent of the spiritual miracle of salvation. Jesus never preached outside of Palestine, yet his followers would spread the gospel throughout the entire world. Jesus had only a limited outreach to the Gentiles, but yet the disciples would reach the Gentile world with the gospel. The number of believers in Christ would also grow far beyond the hundreds and the thousands. The power to perform those greater works would only be available because Jesus was going to the Father. It was only then... That the Holy Spirit would come and dwell inside of those and empower you and I for the life and ministry that He has called for us to live. Christ promised to send the Holy Spirit, offered further comfort to the disciples. Though Jesus would no longer be visibly present with them, the Spirit would provide them with all of the power that they would need to extend the work that He had begun As I close this morning, and I think of this last point, I think of so many different things, but one of the things I think of is it's in his departure that he would say, Aaron, I'm calling you to do this work because God specifically designed it 
that it would be him working in and through you and I to do his ministry. That's a, such a humbling thought. See, Jesus was God. He could have went and done anything that he wanted to do. But they designed it. God designed it. So what? So that he would live and dwell inside of you and I. That then we would go over here and because Jesus Christ, because the Holy Spirit, because God, because they, he, the Holy Spirit lives in me, I would go over here and I would teach it and I would share it and it would flow out of me that my, my spirit, my internal being, I am changed from the inside out and everything about me changes and because of that, now I go and God has said, hey, I want to use you, Aaron, to go reach this guy. Aaron, I want to use you to go reach this person and he uses that for every single one of us that are sitting in this room. There's people in your lives that I will never come in contact with but God says he is breathing life into you so that you could go speak life into them. Why? Through him working in you. I have, there's no reason why I should stand before you. None at all. None at all. I am a big buffoon. I am. I'm no one special. The pastors and the men that I've looked up to in my life, they're no one special. You know what they are? They're people that just said, God, I want to be used. How can you use me? Some of you may have a greater walk with God than I do, but God didn't call you to stand here. God called you to pray where you're at. God called you to, to love on people in the school district. God called you to love on people in the factory. God called, to, called you to love on people in the service. God called you to love on people wherever it was that you were doing. Why? God breathed life into you so that you could share life with other people. And God's using you. That was the plan. Greater works than these. And he says this. And whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If ye shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. As we look at this and wrap all this up this morning, Jesus is comforting these men. And he says, as he's sitting down beside them, maybe he's kneeling, I don't know. But he just looks at him and he says, hey, I know you have questions. I know you're hurting. I understand all this, but I have to go. I have to go because I have to, I have to be, this has to be prepared for you to do what you need to do. And he says, but I, I want you to know, you know the way. He looks at him. He says, you know the way. You know me. But you need to believe. You need to continue to believe. You need to continue to press on. I would look out to most of you and say, you know Jesus Christ, but you need to continue to believe to do what God has called for you to do. Don't stop today because things stink in your life. Because He is the way. He says, just believe. What are we believing? I'm believing that He is the way. I'm believing that He is God Almighty and that He is the truth. And I'm going to continue to believe that. Why? Because the life that God has given me is so much greater than anything else that anybody could ever give. There is no life outside of Him. He says, hey, I'm the way. I'm the truth. Listen, I'm the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. Believe it. Walk it. Continue to believe it. And he says, would you pray in my name? And as you do, he says in 13, whatsoever you shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified. If you shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. This morning, I'm not telling you to go pray for a million dollars. I don't think I need to go through all of those things. But God's word is so very clear. As we walk in the way of him. As we trust in who he is. We believe in who he is. 
and we place our faith in him and we begin to continue to believe and we continue to walk and we continue. And as we pray, listen, the things that I pray will be according to his will because I'm walking in his way. Do we follow? God, I truly believe with everything in me, this is where you're guiding me and this is where you're directing me. And as I pray, God begins to open up doors and God begins to open up doors. Or maybe God closes a door. But God does all of those things. Why? Because that's what he says that he'll do. Because it's for God's glory that all of those things would happen. And there's a lot that can be off of that. But, but pastor, why when I prayed over this, this, and this, that I thought it was God's will, and it didn't happen? You know what, I can't answer every one of those. But if it's not God's will and he shut that door, you continue to believe, you continue to walk, because he's the way guiding you, he is the truth, he is God, and he is breathing life into you. We continue to believe, we continue to go, and we continue to go. I don't know where you sit this morning, maybe today you would sit here and you would say, Pastor, I don't know Jesus Christ as Savior, I've never come to this place. I look around here this morning and pretty much we're talking to church family. I believe just about every person I could probably look at and say, okay, I know of a salvation that's been mentioned to me in some way, shape, or form. But I would ask you, do you know Jesus Christ? Have you ever came to the place where you've said, yes, God, you are the only way. Jesus, it's only through Jesus that we have access to the Father. Do you know that? Do you believe that? And for the majority of you Christians this, this morning, I would say this. Where's your comfort coming from? Do you believe? Are you actively believing and seeking and trusting that God is who God says that He is? That God is the way that I can trust and believe as I walk? That I can follow that light? That I can, I can know and trust that He is the way? And I believe that. And I believe that He is truth. He is God. He is Final authority. And God, because you are those things, I know that your desire for me is to have life. And maybe there's a, a lack of belief back here that's causing something here to be, I'm questioning things. Maybe it's just a part of the process. Sometimes days are rough. So this morning, do you believe that God is the way, the truth, and the life? If so, is that the action that you're taking? Or are you doubting all of those things, similar to they, that what they did? And we just needed to be comforted. We need to just know and be reminded of who God says that he is. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes this morning. Again, thank you for checking us out online. If you have never been to one of our services, it would be such an honor to have you as one of our guests. If you have made any decision today, our staff would love to celebrate with you. Would you please email us at info at oasislv.church.